Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, good morning, everyone. I do hope that you are all well and getting through lockdown okay. Um, to say that this has not been an easy time for anyone would really be an understatement of all time, really, wanted it? It, um, it really has been tough, but we, but we thank God that there is hope, that there is light at the end of this very long tunnel. We are going to come out of this and thank God, thank God that there are vaccines coming out and being developed every time we watch the news and Every time we turn the news, there's something exciting happening in that realm, and and it's really exciting. This is good news, an answer to what a lot of us have been praying for and crying out to God for, and it, it really is it really is exciting. And even though this pandemic has, uh, even though this pandemic is leaving a trail of destruction in its path, sicknesses and loss of lives and livelihoods and and the economy, there is light at the end of this very long tunnel. Hope is spurring us on. Hope keeps whispering in our ears and our hearts to keep going. Hope keeps telling us that we will be able to meet again in person to hug, comfort and celebrate each other. We will meet in person to sing with and over each other in worship and it is going to be awesome. So keep going. You are doing okay. Even if sometimes it doesn't feel like it, you are doing okay. So just keep going. So we are in the third week of our new series, God Unmute, and today I have the awesome privilege of doing part two, looking at the, looking at the subject, why aren't my prayers working, slash, uh, slash dealing with the silence of, of God. But, um, but before we go, before we jump into the word of God, can I just encourage you, if you haven't, to get yourself a copy of God on mute, which this whole series is based on. I, I strongly believe that Pete and Sammy's story on how they dealt with and engaged the silence of prayer will encourage you and stay you to see God in your own story of unanswered prayer and feeling the silence that goes with it. It will stay you to believe and to trust God for your own story on how you go about navigating through life through, uh, through life's moments of disappointment and unanswered prayer it, it, it's gonna be awesome I believe just get your copy if you haven't you you will find it a great help can I can I also encourage you once a it to download the Lexio 365 app as we will be exploring the same themes as in, in this series for Lent. As someone who is part of the Lexio 365 team, I am genuinely amazed by what God is doing in people's prayer lives and times of devotions around the world through this app, especially during this time of the pandemic and lockdown. It has honestly been a joy and to some extent even unbelievable to see and read people's messages of uh, people's messages on how God is, how God through the Lexio 365 has impacted their devotions and times of prayer it has really been amazing to see so get yourself a copy of god on mute and download the lexio up 365 i think you will find these resources very helpful especially as we journey through this um uh, this season of lent together you will be blessed by those so get your get, get get your hands on those two resources you will be grateful you did Without any waste of time, let's uh, jump right into the Word of God and look in the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and I'm going to read from verse 1. I'll be skipping verses, but just uh, uh, go with me. Verse 1 reads, 
Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, a village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse 3. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. Now I'm going to read verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 37. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? We have just read in John's Gospel the story of Lazarus and his sisters. We read that this man, Lazarus, whom Jesus called a friend, is sick, and his, and his two sisters, um, and his, his two sisters, Martha and Mary, who were looking after him, sent out a message to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, they are sending a message to Jesus knowing that he is a healer, knowing that he loved Lazarus and he loved them as well. And he called him a friend. In verse 5, we read that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus. Now, it's important to understand that they weren't just acquaintances of Jesus. They were close friends. To understand their closeness, you need to read Luke chapter 10 from verses 38. Jesus ate at their home. He taught in their house. He was comfortable and welcome there. Such was their closeness that some writers even say that their home in Bethany might have been considered Jesus' home away from home. Yet when they sent a message to him to say that their brother, the one that they loved and knew that he was loved by them, the one he called his friend, Lazarus, was sick. We read that when Jesus had this, he stayed where he was two more days. The sisters are waiting for Jesus to show up or at least send a message back to them. But Jesus does not respond. He says nothing, zero. He stays silent. Jesus does not send a message back or a sympathy card, nothing. He does not even ask what his illness was. He does not ask how, he does not ask how long he has been ill for. He does not even ask how they were, how they were coping. He just goes silent on them. I would like us 
I would like us to look at the events in this passage through the eyes of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus, knowing, knowing how much they love Jesus and how Jesus loved them and the way Jesus responds to their call for help. Now imagine for a moment the disappointment they must have felt, knowing that Jesus, the healer, their brother's friends, the one, the one they love, the one who loved them, does not show up to see them when their brother is sick. Remember that Mary loved Jesus so much that according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, at one point she broke a very expensive alabaster bottle of perfume at his feet, washed his feet with her own tears, and he and she wiped his feet with her own real hair. Her love for Jesus was undeniably real. Now imagine what Mary and her sister must be feeling and thinking right at the moment of great need when their brother is sick and is about to die and they send out a message of help to Jesus and he does not even reply. He goes silent on them. When they said to him, Lord, not just anyone, but the one that you love is sick, this went deep in them. I wonder if anyone else watching and listening right now, like me, knows that feeling of silence, that feeling of praying and, not, and feeling like your prayers are not being answered, that feeling of asking for help and feel like you are not being replied to ahead. Knowing how much you love him, yet not knowing if he can even hear you, not knowing if he can see you, not knowing if he is even listening just silent. We read that eventually Lazarus dies and still Jesus does not send a word. To make things worse, he does not even show up at his friend's funeral. As a matter of fact, he turns up four days later after he's been buried. Imagine for a moment the conversations that the two sisters must have had. Not, imagine, imagine the conversations between the two of them knowing what they, do know, what they know now, Jesus not having replied. They must have gone like, not only did he not reply to us when we called when we called for help, he does not even show up at the funeral. He turns up four days after we buried him. So it is not at all surprising that Mary's first reaction is not to jump on her feet when she hears that Jesus has finally showed up. As far as she was concerned, Jesus was late. Lazarus had already been buried. In verse 20 we read, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. She must have felt disappointed, confused, and maybe even angry at Jesus, not only for not coming to see his brother when he was sick, but that he, didn't, that he couldn't even make it to his funeral. She must have thought, I gave you my all. I loved you when, even when it made me look like a fool. My brother was your friend. You could have helped him, but you didn't. But when she does finally decide to go meet Jesus, she says the same thing that Martha said in verse 20. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Ever felt like saying that to God? If you had been here, if you had answered me when I called you, I wouldn't be in the situation I am in right now. Mary and Martha said, if you had been here, I can almost hear them say it. If you had been here, our brother would have not died. But you went quiet on us. 
Why did you remain silent? Why did you not reply to our prayers? Why did you not answer us when we called you? I'm sure there's a lot of us that feel that right now. Why have you not answered me? Why have you not replied? In essence, what was really bothering them is not only that their brother was sick and eventually died, and eventually died as a result, Whilst that was a huge part of it, the silence of Jesus must have been unbearably devastating for them. The thing about the silence of God when we pray for certain things or situations in our lives is that it can leave us asking ourselves all kinds of questions, some good and some not so good. But here is something that I have learned about the silence of God. There are times where his silence is a way of him proving to me and showing me that he is more in control of the very things that I doubt him for. He is more in control of those than I realized. Martha and Mary did not know that Jesus was, in, was, was, in, was more in control of this situation than they had realized. They didn't realize that he was just as powerful in his talking as he was in his silence. Jesus is as powerful in his speaking as he is in his silence. And when we begin to understand that, we will begin to learn that his silence can be golden when we engage with him. It is so hard, if not impossible, to see how God remaining silent can be something that he can use for his glory, especially if you are living in and you are living that moment of silence and unanswered prayer. Here is the thing. It is also so easy to associate God's silence with his disapproval of us. We often think that if he does not respond to our prayers when we say them in a way that we thought he would, means that there is something wrong with us or how we pray. It is so easy to think that if he does not respond to my prayers, it could be a sign that he is disappointed and he, and he disapproves of me. A few weeks ago, Katia Adams, when she came to speak to us, she said something that really challenged my notion and understanding of God's silence. She said this, and I quote, the silence of God does not mean what we often think it does. That's worth saying again. The silence of God does not mean what we often think it does. Ooh. Oh, somebody type an amen. That is really good. Whew. That's powerful stuff. The silence of God, especially on the things that we pray for, can oftentimes leave us feeling like Martha and Mary, unloved, uncared for, forgotten, or even unnoticed, asking if he can see our pain, our loss, and our struggle. Maybe like them, you are also praying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is tired. Lord, the one you love is not coping. Lord. The one you love is feeling lost. Maybe you feel unheard. The silence of God was also felt deeply by a man whose scripture tells us on two occasions that God himself called him a man after my own heart. 
First, in First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart to appoint him a ruler over his people. And also in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, when the Apostle Paul said, God testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do my will. God found David a man after his own heart. If you've ever sat there on your own, wrestling and asking yourself, why aren't my prayers working? Why does it seem like my situation and circumstances are not improving even when I pray? I want you to know this. You are not a weak Christian. You are not a fraud or a fake. As a matter of fact, you might just be the real deal because the Bible does not shy away from telling us the truth about the real and raw emotions and struggles of people dealing with the silence of God and unanswered prayer. David, who God called a man after my own heart, when he wrote Psalms chapter 13, which some commentators call it the most depressing and low moment in his life, he also felt, he also felt the raw emotions of loving God with all his heart and having to deal with his silence all at the same time. David, the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, knew what the silence of God felt like. He said in Psalms chapter 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? In verse 3, he says, Look on me and answer me, Lord. I don't know about you, but I can recognize that desperation and longing. If David, a man after God's heart, can feel it, it must be okay. Not easy, but somewhat okay. You are not weak, a fraud, or a fake. You are certainly not alone. The Bible is full of characters who knew the difficulty and the frustration of dealing with the emotions and the challenge of God's silence when it came to prayer. Here is the thing about God's silence. It can feel like he's absent. But let me reassure you of this. God's silence might mean a lot of things for a lot of reasons, but it does not mean God is absent. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 2, it says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. The silence of God might be deafening, but you are not alone in it. You might be feeling overwhelmed when you go through the waters, but he is there with you. You might be feeling the heat of the flames of fire as you walk through it, but you are not in it by yourself. He is there with you. And he is for you, even if he feels like he is silent. As God promised in his word to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verses 6, 
and in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 he says I will never leave you nor forsake you and in Matthew chapter 28 verse um, in Matthew chapter 28 verse 20 he says surely I am with you always to the very end of ages no matter what you have been praying for going through and crying through his silence does not mean his absence Whatever his silence might mean, however uncomfortable it might feel, however frustrating it might be for us, it does not mean that God is inactive in our lives. And most certainly, it does not mean that he is absent. When I was preparing this talk, I wondered what else Martha and Mary might have said to Jesus. I wondered what questions they might have been wrestling with and wanted to ask Jesus when he finally arrived. Then I read what Pete said in God on Mute, and I, and I want to quote this, and I want to read this to you. He said this, He may consider our wondering and questioning more important than the relatively simple act of supplying us with an answer. Ooh, somebody shout amen. Wherever you are, just shout amen because that is good. If you have ever went into your prayer space and you ended up with more questions than you went in with, you are okay. You are okay. He considers your questioning and your wondering more important than the simple act of giving you the answer. There has been times in my life where an answered prayer presented me with a chance and an opportunity to seek God and be in his presence in a way that I could not have done had he just supplied me with an answer. I now know that it has been in my questioning and wondering where my priorities of what I considered important to pray for and pursue completely changed as a result of engaging in his silence, of engaging in the silence of unanswered prayer. When the silence of God makes you feel like you are being deprived of something, Remember this, that deprivation brings out an even stronger longing and desire for that which we feel deprived of. The more we feel deprived of something, isn't it so human that the more we feel deprived of something, the more our longing for that, for that which we feel deprived intensifies. Sometimes to truly appreciate something, you have to know the desperate feeling of not having it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be fulfilled. Fulfillment is a result of desperation. You will never know the true value of a cold, refreshing bottle of water until you know the thirst that it can quench. I don't claim to know all the mysteries surrounding God's silence on a lot of issues. But one thing I can say for sure is that the longer he stays silent, the more desperate I get to hear him. Pete says, by holding back the blessings from our lives, God beguiles us to pray in his presence. In other words, the more he stays quiet when I seek him, the more desperate I am for him. And then he enjoys and he wants to, he, he want to engage with my, he wants to engage with my wondering and my questioning. And I absolutely love that. 
It's very hard to thank God for missing out on a house that you liked and had an offer rejected on until you realize that it was because of he had a better house for you and for your family. It's when we realize that God had a better plan than we did when we realize why he didn't give us what we asked for in the first place. It is so important. It is so important. It is important to remember and understand that Isaiah chapter 55 says, His ways are not our ways. His ways are not our ways. The way he thinks is not how we think. And his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our own thoughts. It is important to trust him. If only Mary, if only Martha and Mary knew that his silence did not mean what they thought it meant. Their view of the whole experience would have been so different. If only they knew that God was about to do something that even their own imaginations could not possibly conceive. As it says in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we can ask for or even think. I want to finish with a quote in Pittsburgh from um, P.T. Forsyth, and it says this, We shall come one day to a heaven where we shall greatly know that God's refusals were sometimes the true answers to our truest prayers. My prayer for us all as we go through this season is that we might know and understand that the silence of God does not mean the absence of God. God promises to be with us the whole time, even through his silence. He beguiles us to tray in his presence. He considers our questioning, our wondering more important than the simple act of supplying us with an answer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your silence or the silence that we often feel in our lives when we pray does not mean that you are absent. Help us to know that truth. Help us to live that truth. Lord Jesus, let that truth in us grow like a seed. Let it establish, let it root itself. That God, sometimes you remain silent because of, frankly, you just want us to linger a little bit longer in your presence and help us that God in our questioning and our wondering, we might know this truth that God, sometimes you are there, you are holding this back so that God, Heavenly Father, we can pray a little longer in your presence with our wondering, with our pain, with our loss and with our grieving. And Lord, I pray that God, Heavenly Father, as we as we think about this, Lord Jesus, as we, as we go through this season of Lent, that God, this truth will be rooted, that this truth will grow inside of us like a plant that will take over each and every single fiber of our being so that God, this truth will not die. This truth that God, your silence does not mean your absence. Let it just keep running through our bodies, running through our minds, running through our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God bless you all. Thank you.